Welcome to Your Property Podcast with me, Ant Lyons, and... Hey, how are you doing? Hello. I'm armed with a cup of tea. I'm armed without a cup of tea, but never mind. I'll persevere. So, I brought you into the call nice and early this time. My name's I know, for the first time ever. I know, I know. See, I'm learning. Uh, now, today's call uh, is pretty cool one, isn't it? Because we are talking to... It, I guess it's the thing I love about these podcasts. We bring on friends of mine and contacts that we know in property and old friends of YPN and people who are true uh, leaders in their field, real, uh, real genuine property experts. And um, someone I've got a huge amount of admiration for today. And we're going to find out just how much admiration because he did something which I think probably most people would say either was a bit bonkers or maybe very ambitious or um, a bit crazy. We're going to find out how and why today. Uh, so, good friend of mine, welcome to the call, Mike Frisbee. Hi there, Ant. Hello, welcome. It's been ages since we caught up. It has been a little while, hasn't it, actually? I was thinking that the other day. Um, yeah, so I hope, I hope you're well. Things seem to be going well for you. I notice your uh, expansion yourself, so uh, you're doing quite a few property things too. I'm doing, I'm trying, I'm trying. God loves a trier, as they say, so I'm trying. <laughs> But, um, but you know what it's like, it kind of swings around about some days are amazing property, aren't they? You know, it's a true roller, roller coaster ride. And, and I, I guess life is very much like that for, for you, because we're talking to you today because you sent me an email a little while back. And I don't know if it's of interest to you, Ant, but um, we just, we, as in you, decided to add over 100 rooms to your HMO portfolio, your HMO business in in a six month period. Now that is a huge expansion by, by anybody's standards really. So we're here today to find out why, how, and I guess what are the obstacles along the way. So um, where did that goal come from? Um, the, the, goal, the goal came from, I like big hairy targets sometimes. I think it gets you out of bed and motivates you. Um, things that can, well, certainly stretch you, maybe slightly scare you. Uh, I, but I, I did want something that I felt was achievable rather than non-achievable. Um, you know, every now and again, I mean, I remember quite a few, it was quite a few years ago now. Um, I thought, well, I wanted to get fitter. So I just set myself the challenge of running a marathon because I just thought anything less would not be, <laughs> Go big would not there. be worth it. <laughs> so I, I put it into that category, really of you know set something fairly big and then you raise to the challenge because you have to potentially change your thinking about things um rather than just doing a bit more of the same and i always find that interesting so part of it was for my own challenge um rally the team around something i love a good story so i knew it would probably make a good story hence why we're probably on the podcast um oh, yeah. yeah so um uh, so, so that, that was the main, you know, that was the main driver. Um, you know, I hadn't been doing loads in property. I'd been through some personal stuff. Um, and then it was like, right, now's the time to focus back in on property. Let's set some big goals and let's really focus on that. Uh, so I, so I did that. Yeah. Okay. So for people who don't know you, um, you Mike, that you come from a, a corporate background and I always remember the first time where um, I saw you speak, you know, you found out a little bit about your, your background because you, you used to work at Guinness, didn't you? Yeah. So I've worked for um, what is now Diageo, so Guinness and Unilever on the, on the brand and marketing side. So I love the whole branding, marketing aspect 
of business. It really enjoyed it um, while I was there, but I did want to escape, if you see what I mean. Why, why did I want to escape? Because I was always, there was, there was more, always more entrepreneurial blood in me um, than probably in the corporate world. So um, I was always looking over my shoulder, what can I do, what can I do? And I found property and that, that was the tool to help me escape. Okay, and um, I think you've got a particularly unique offering because I love the fact that you offer a, it's a sort of a discovery to learning about HMOs over the particularly civilised cheese and wine, which two of my great loves. <laughs> yeah, I know. They are great, aren't they? And I, I, I do it with my broker and they're his great loves. So we put on some, ex- and I think people are always surprised when they come along because of the quality of the wine and the cheese because I always believe you might as well have quality if you're going to do it. If you're going to eat those calories, then, you know, you've got to make it good quality calories. So, um, uh, yeah, so it's good because it's mainly just for a bit of fun. There's been loads and loads of questions around commercial finance. And so we do a lot around commercial finance at these these events. Um, And as you'll see, probably when you come up some further questions in the in the podcast, um, you know, commercial finance has been a key to allow me to accelerate my growth really quickly. So. you know, I get quite a lot of questions. So it was only natural in order to share that it was, let's, let's do it over a bit of a fun platform. So uh, so we launched the cheese and wine afternoons and they're always on a Friday so that you don't have to do anything too serious the next day. <laughs> Nobody does real work on a Friday. <laughs> exactly, it's a Friday afternoon. I mean, you know, so I look forward to those events actually. We've got a couple coming up. Uh, you know, we, we hold them fairly regularly uh, and they always sell out very easily. Okay, so let's talk about, um, you, you've decided that you're, you know, you're going to tackle this big goal, this big hairy goal of, um, you know, 100 rooms in six months. So is it just you or is there a team around you, uh, you know, and, and, and because sometimes property is a lonely business and I'm not sure where you are with yours. Have you built a kind of support team and people to help implement this? Yeah, so I do have a team around me, um, which is what I built and then I wanted to enhance you know I wanted to help drive them forward set them some big goals and that that was part of it was to really focus the team in because I, I really believe and believe in clarity so if you want to take your business forward you need to be crystal clear on what you're trying to achieve and I think you know adding 100 rooms um, is you know set some quite clear goals um, and that clarity behind that, you know, underneath that, there's a whole load of other things that you need to do, obviously, um, because you're scaling quite bigly, quite, quite quickly. Um, so you have to have other systems in place. So there was some things that we did before that goal happened, i.e., you know, we went through it at a much slower pace to start off with to test and break the model. If you see what I mean a, a little bit, anything that you, you read about scaling businesses is you, you do, you go through a phase of testing and developing and, seeing where we are and then learn um, so that you don't replicate mistakes. Cause the last thing you want when you scale is to basically, you know, when you scale, you can increase revenue, but you can also increase problems. Um, so, you know, make sure that you are now the problems while you're at the small stage where it's easy to do and, and then scale up. That was going to be my next question. Like how did you start? Cause you've set this goal and you know, if it was me, I'd have set the goal and I think, right where the hell do I start? How am I going to do this? So did you like then create like a tiny little checklist for you to sort of do once a day, once a month, once a week? 
how did you go about yeah so i set set the, well, we set the task the teams the task and then we you know the initial thing was obviously around starting to set up our well sourcing we'd already made some contacts around sourcing um and i would say you know a lot of people ask me you know where do you source pretty much most of these properties came through um the estate the traditional estate agent channel and obviously once you get known for buying and we were in buying mode and once you start completing on them relatively quickly then you know a similar property comes back to you um and um you know you get another opportunity if you you know so it's all about delivering on that aspect um we'd been working with i mean i've been working with my own solicitor that i was using for this you know i've been working since since the beginning so he he worked with me previously you know when i moved we talked about me jumping out from the corporate world i went through a phase then fairly early on of buying quite a lot of property quite quickly recycling my cash to allow me to do it uh, in order to jump from one thing to the other so it's not something that was completely alien to me um so the first thing was you know down around the sourcing where the checklist you're asking me are all about checklists and everything that was mainly i see i mean yes we had some checklists but mainly around uh you know the refurb process is where you have to have uh, a lot of checklists mm-hmm. um and um that that's that's really about the, the the refurb side of things because even managing you know one or two refurbs at any one point can be stressful you know you get builders let you down or go over budget go over time all of those things which we're very 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 familiar with then when you're working on multiple projects with i'm assuming sort of multiple teams as well Mm. um, how did you um how do you check the progress on each of the um each of the projects how are you kind of keeping a close eye over a, a large number at any one time yeah so we we i mean that that's all comes in the detail you know a lot of planning up front so you have to you know when you so in between exchange so you know i have a rule around in between an exchange and completion we're building our our the detailed spec and the detailed project list so we'll, we'll stick to a standard spec so that's not hard so once you spec out one you spec out a lot of them in terms of you know you know the doors the handles the furniture the paint colors the you know the types of kitchens and what you need in a kitchen and and, and everything you know obviously you'd have to adhere to the guidelines um that are set out around the council in terms of room sizes in terms of the number of hobs and drawers and all of those kind of things um so you need to have that in your checklist and the sign off and all, all of those things so it's about having a very extensive checklist in my mind and and it flagging up and then you then you plan out you know it's kind of gantt charts or whatever but you're planning out with date order that if you know where your critical path is through a um through a refurb so you're having to establish which bits are the ones that you need to stay on track on in order to stay on track on your refurb because what we were doing is rolling literally a team from one refurb onto the next refurb so we wanted to stay on track and on time as much as possible uh, you know i can't sit here and say yes absolutely every project went on time and on track and we didn't have problems along the way we did have problems along the way but um certainly that helped enormously um and working with familiar people as well so you know both are you know we kind of work four properties wide if you see what i mean um and we'll have a build a lead builder on it on two projects each so we can work four projects wide uh so we have one building team basically running two projects you know one lead you know one builder or builder squad or, or whatever you have 
and we have we have a couple of different methods as well we work with a contractor so he can scale up and down a little bit and then we have our own team as well because we were doing so many and we expand that team through the process as well um, but it means that they're familiar with working with our properties um, and what we're aiming for Okay. And so, um, oh, sorry. sorry. I was going to say, so at, at the point where you kind of decided to to take on the next hundred rooms, how big big uh, an expansion of your business was that? So, you know, were you were you know were you already at sort of multiple hundreds of units, or was this a you know a significant increase in the size of the business? It was a fairly big increase in the business. You know, we were we were we were in the hundreds, but we you know adding an extra. So we we pushed the, the idea was to push through the two hundred and fifty uh, unit barrier um, really with this with this expansion. So that's quite a considerable business you know business expansion. And are these um, sort of traditional purchases rather than a kind of rent to rent, or is it a combination of stuff? Yeah, I mean, we did, you know, we did end up using, well, one of the deals we ended up using, I would call more of a creative method, but this wasn't rent to rent. Um, I, I have done rent to rent in the past, but this was, this was, you know, so in a phase of my, you know, property investing career, I went quite heavily into rent to rent. Um, that was quite a long, that was literally was the whole credit crunch came along. That's what I jumped into. So, you know, a lot, you know, 2008, uh, I guess was yeah. sort of, um, so 2009. Pretty traditional purchases then, which I guess sort of leads on to the, um, one of the, the questions which we, we talked about offline earlier on is, is, is funding an expansion like that? Because, you know, property is capital intensive if you're doing one project so to do 20 30 40 or whatever um the reserves on sort of capital and cash flow management all those kind of things it, i guess you had to um think that out in you know in advance and have eight strategies for, for finance and refinance and sorry how many and sort of adding on to that how many houses did you actually buy was it 50 two bedrooms you know 10 10 bedrooms <laughs> is quite a wide range. It, it, how was, a, it, was, a, it was a wide range of properties. So the largest we bought through the process was 22 beds. So that, that took a big chunk. Yeah. Um, and the smallest was a five bed. The, um, so, um, and, you know, we did, I'm trying to think how many of which, we, we were mainly down the smaller end. Uh, I like the sort of six, seven bed type properties. Um, you know, the bigger ones are the ones that cause, can sometimes cause the problems. Um, and again, if you've got a problem somewhere, it's then quite large to fix. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and I find, you know, I do a bit of mentoring and people ask me lots of questions and I, I find, I mean, I was just talking to someone the other day and they were going, oh, I think I found a deal. And it was because it was a big property. And then I broke it down and I said, well, let's have a look at the price and let's have a look at the return. And I said, well, do you think you could get, I think it was, I can't remember the size of the property. It was either, uh, I think it was a 12 bed or something like that. And, and I went, well, I think you'd be better off buying two six beds. And, and it blows people's minds. It's a very simple concept because you go, well, let's add it all up and you'll probably spend less money doing it that way. Um, but people get excited by big pro properties. You know, they can be great things, mm. um, but... They can have bigger to, problems, though. 
but they can have bigger problems. It's like the same, same old, same old, you know, bigger things often lead to bigger problems. So, um, and they can be great as well, but, um, you know, but just a lot of people I find get excited by big HMOs. I wouldn't necessarily say, yeah, you need to be heading into the massive, uh, those kind of things. You know, if you're going on to the next level where you've got massive communal spaces and what I would call more co-living and, and sort of more, um, the student student uh, accommodation for professionals is how I describe it. Then that's so you're, slightly you're, different. Yours are not the student market. Uh, no, I, 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 they were all purely professional. Um, as you probably know my history a little bit as well. And one of the reasons I did another push was I, I was rebalancing my portfolio in terms of, I do have students. I also had a lot of social housing. I have less social housing now. I was phasing that down and I wanted to rebalance far more into the professional market and the professional market for a couple of reasons. Um, professional market rents were going up. Um, there was a lot of changes going on in the whole uh, social housing market as well. So I wanted to protect my business around that. Um, and also working with professionals, it was far easier to attract the money in, which is where we started um, talking about the money side and recycle your money through commercial finance. Um, you've got more lenders open looking at the professional market or and student market than you have the whole social housing market. There aren't many lenders who will lend in that sector. Um, there, there are, um, but then they don't operate in the same way, really. So. Um, it was that was some of the factors behind the goal you asked me earlier on you know it, it was that as well um, and I you know I also saw it as an opportunity the market going up and it was time to do a bit of land grabbing um, to ride the wave as well so you know there was many many thoughts behind why I was going into it okay so let's talk about the strategy for um, funding the expansion yeah, sorry, I sort of hijacked your question there. Yeah, as per, as per. So, um, a, a typical property is going to cost you what in terms of a deposit and a and a, a, a refurb? Say we're talking about a six or a seven bed. Do you think? Yeah, it, I mean, it it costs a lot money, a lot more money to do HMOs than I think a lot of people imagine if they haven't started it. Because you need a 25% deposit. And, you know, in my area, I work on the south coast, predominantly around Portsmouth and expanding out both sides. Um, I have property across the southeast, but it was around Portsmouth that I was building this uh, expansion because I had a team down there. You're asking about my team. I've got my own lettings team and I've got my own staff who, who help source down there and help manage the refurbs. And that's where I had the builder connections. So I was trying to do it in a relatively tight geographical area. So if I was buying, you know, uh, all, all the properties I was purchasing, um, I'm trying to think what the cheap, the cheap, having said that, the cheapest property I think I purchased over the time was, I think, 148,000. Um, and the most expensive probably ended up more being like a million. So that was a bit of a bit of a difference. Um, but typically they were in the 200 to 300 mark. So you're taking 25% of that. So at um, 250,000 you're looking for a 62,500 deposit then you've got stamp um, and the buying costs and the valuation and everything so you're chucking in you know around 80,000 to, to get just to get the property mm. and then probably another 50 to 80 depending on what you're doing um, in the refurb and mm. at that stage you're asking about funding 
you know, there weren't many funders who were happy to fund the build. So it was all sort of cash that you needed rather than, um, you know, if you're doing a development, um, you know, quite often funders are there quite happy to fund your development because of, um, you know, they look at the GDV. So you were saying, okay, what, what, what was my strategy around this finance element? I, I had a series of prongs of attack. One was obviously I needed to raise some finance initially. Um, so that was done through looking at my portfolio I'd had for a while and was refinancing a little bit of that um, to release some capital, um, but also working with private funders as well. Um, so worked with some private funders um, to release some cash. I also did joint venture a few of the properties as well. Um, and then again, um, I would say the fourth prong was to recycle the cash as quickly as possible. So uh, if it was my own cash, I could use it again. And if it was an investor's cash that I had for a fixed period of time, I could use that several times um, to you know, really increase the velocity of money. So um, that's, those were my four key things. The other thing was that I opened up and started knocking on doors of, of lenders to say, look, you need to be looking at funding builds and those kind of things. Why, why wouldn't you? If you do development finance, why wouldn't you? So I had some lenders that I worked with that then started to look at, yeah, okay, because I could prove my GDVs, so my end values, um, and say, well, you know, you'd fund this if it was a development just because the fact I'm going to refinance at the end of it and keep it rather than sell it, um, why won't you fund the build? And some of them started to go, yeah, that, that's an interesting idea. Um, and um so that that was that was good too so i found some boutique lenders who are happy to help me fund some of the build costs because they were quite considerable on some of my projects okay and um who oversees sort of cash flow management uh, is that your job or have you got a finance director or yeah i mean that essentially that is my job i mean obviously i have um you know financial systems like the zeros of this world and you know i have reports and I, and i and i also separate out um pots of money into different accounts so i utilize bank accounts to help clear visibility as well so you know all my refurb type money will go into an account there'll be you know money for um deposits and then obviously my you know my regular rents and all of that lot is in a separate place mm. so i don't mix up what i would call cash flow money with mm. lump sum money i keep them very separate because you need to know what you've got in each pot and making sure that you know so i'm living off the profits and and you know off my cash flow and i can see how much money my business is making day to day um so i i very much have a business in two phases as i'd call it the development phase and then the cash flow phase mm. and i keep those pots of money in the way i see the money very differently and report on the money very differently as well because that is one of the hardest things i think people don't quite understand with all of this is that they'll mix up all the money and then not know where they are at all i i, I just find it when I, i've spoken to people who do it in, in that way and it sounds absolutely terrifying i just can't i couldn't deal with those kind of stress levels you know of not knowing where you were with each bit so the, the other bit i was really curious to ask is how um, big an impact did um, this expansion have on the, on the HMO market, actually, in your area? Because I talk to HMO landlords across the country and, you know, they, they tell me all sorts of different things. Some people seem to feel their markets are saturated. Others think there's, there's still loads of way to go, if you've got, particularly if you've got kind of premium product and a premium location. 
But releasing large numbers of room onto the market, I'm, I'm guessing they're going to be similarly priced, not exactly the same, but you know, similar pricing across them. Um, did you, did you see, were you creating competition for yourself in a way? I never saw it as that, to be honest. I just think, you know, even a hundred rooms, people say, oh, a hundred rooms, but you know, that's a dot really. I mean, in the scheme of property, that's a dot. I mean, in the scheme of renters, that's a dot. It's not a massive thing. Um, you know, if you, you, it, and it was over, a, you know, slightly lot, you know, if, if a hundred turned up on one day, then yes, you would, you know, you would maybe struggle a little bit, but it, it wasn't a dot. And the other thing that we were doing was we were going for a premium product. So, you know, I felt we were cut above what else was in the marketplace. So we were delivering something different. All the rooms, you know, some, some of the places were already HMOs. So are they incremental rooms? Not necessarily. So not every room was a incremental room. The other thing that we were doing, I mean, I, I talk about obviously a journey to hundred rooms. There's probably also a journey to about 80 bathrooms. So, um, very high bathroom room ratio, which is, I feel certainly in my area, wasn't something that was prevalent. And, you know, these are the ones that were always more popular and would go first. And it, it, talking about was there sticking or was there not? You know, if I look across the portfolio currently, which is a little while on from when I've done this, uh, the, the en suites are always the more popular ones and the non en suites are, are not. So I look at, I love to future proof by building on suites and that also increases the value of the property as well we get more rent which means we get a higher commercial valuation which means higher gdvs which means um we can recycle our cash um which is one of the key things um strategy throughout that whole process recycle 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 so that was something i was going to ask you about actually was because you were so focused on getting a hundred rooms, did you ever feel at any point that the quality was slipping slightly? That you might have been sort of leaning towards quantity over quality? Um, no, I mean, in terms of what we were looking to achieve, in terms of you know the output, the design. If anything, we improved as we went through. Um, we were like, uh, we need to up this. We need to up this. So we 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 have a continual improvement you know, philosophy against the standard of our HMOs, just because I just think, you know, going back to Anne's point is places getting saturated. I just think you need to continue to up your game. As soon as you stand still in any game, you know, you, you, you're not good. So I always want to add the highest level of HMO within the area because then it will let, um, you know, and it does mean that I might have to refurb some of my older stock. So I've been doing a bit of that more recently as well, upgrading old stock. So, in terms of you know what it looked like the end product did the standards drop no but you know because we were rushing did a few things maybe not quite get done to the start you know there was a few things you know maybe that we've had to come back to yes that did happen uh, i'll be honest you know through anything you spot things afterwards um so um yeah in that fashion then you could argue you know there was a few things that maybe got through that might not have got through if we weren't doing the volume and um as someone who owns a, a large portfolio like i'm really interested to sort of understand what are the kind of key performance indicators that you're measuring in the business uh, um you know as you kind of sit here now and on a week by week basis 
what are you looking at in terms of the business? Is it the kind of uh, net profit per room or the occupancy rates or the or, or a bit of everything or the gearing or, you know, if you're trying to keep an eye on everything, I'm really interested to see what bits you are looking at in measuring the business. Yeah, I try not to overcomplicate the business too much in terms of the metrics I I measure we have some complication in our business in terms of we've got many different tenant types and different you know units and all of these kind of things so therefore you know profit per room or profit per unit is it is it that viable because we've got variety within the portfolio so we're not just an HMO portfolio landlord we're we have single lets we have you know uh, quite sophisticated uh, you know social housing structures we have so we have all sorts so we do look at profitability out of property obviously but the key things I look at is I know what my target rent roll is. So I know what, if I add it all up, what is my target rent roll? So what should I be collecting every month and, what, and how do we achieve against that target? So if we're not hitting that target, it's because of a couple of reasons. One, they're not full. So, um, you know, so therefore that is guidance against full. So we review, I review personally uh, on a weekly basis, anything that is empty coming empty or, or you know, is under refurb. You know, maybe, you know, as I said, I'm, I've been refurbing some of my older stocks. So they've been what I call uh, empty, but not lettable. So I have a section, I have three sections that I look at in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of stuff that's going to come up to rent. Um, so I monitor exactly how much of my stock is empty and what that proportion is. So I've got a total figure and then what stock is empty. Some of it's because it's our own fault. Uh, some of it's because it needs to be let out. And then I've got the next batch, which is um, what's coming available. You know, who's given notice what's coming available because the aim is obviously to let that before it, it, um, it becomes available to keep that down. The other aspect in terms of rentals is obviously then, um, you know, arrears, managing the arrears and managing, managing it, um, uh, managing that aspect um so we have an arrears list which we look at again i look at it on a, a weekly basis but my team look at it you know much much more closely and it, if someone's in arrears then there'll be very very regular contact until we till we sort it out mm-hmm. oh arrears <laughs> the landlords this it's got to be the worst word in landlording hasn't it maybe maybe not yeah and i think people uh I don't know, people out there, I don't know whether how honest they are about arrears and those kind of things, you know, it does happen. And, and when you're in the market of, you know, HMO, although we go for high-end HMOs, I, you know, if you're on a single let, it doesn't happen too much. You know, you're going to have much lower arrears in HMO world and in, and in social housing world, you're going to have higher arrears. And it was one of the reasons, you know, I saw my arrears risk was going to go up in the whole social housing with the way that the the claims were moving to more direct and those kind of things uh which is why i'm one of the other reasons i moved to the whole profession up the professional proportion of my rent roll and looking back at the the goal you know the 100 rooms goal um did it did it go as you expected it to because quite often when i sort of talk to people about a development um, or, or another business project or whatever, we, we end up talking about, well, well, these are the kind of problems I anticipated and these are the ones which actually I had no idea were going to crop up. So I'm interested because you already, you'd already been in this business for quite a long time. You'd already done this. So you, you understood the business. Did anything kind of arise to it where you thought, well, actually, we just didn't foresee that happening? 
Um, there was probably a couple of things that happened that, um, you know, we, we didn't foresee. Um, the, we had one instance where, you know, we'd done, as I said, we tried and tested. We'd, we'd done some HMOs with all on suites and those kind of things. Uh, and we'd got licenses on them, no problem. And then one property came along and, and, and uh, we'd fully en suited it. And the council didn't like the size, the amount of space that we'd allowed for the tenant to dry within the bathroom. So then deemed our bathroom to be slightly too small. Right. You know, it's like, well, I've already built some of these and you as the council have already said, yes, I'm happy with these. But for some reason, they decided to turn around and go, I don't like these. Mm. And actually, if you looked at the detail, then they could be within their rights. So, you know, we had to go with them. But it just seemed mad because it was like, well, the tenants were happy, you know, mm. uh, previously they'd passed them off. So it's those kind of things where you think, right, well, I've, I've you know, I've, I've got a license on the property yeah, like this. I've, I've previously. done this 50 times. They're happy with the work. Yeah. yeah um, so, and, and it's those kind of things that suddenly throw a bit of a sidewinder. And also, as I said earlier, you know, those are the things that you're trying to like prevent when you're scaling, because as I said, I, I, I probably, you know, I did, I did an awful lot of bathrooms at the same time. Um, and you know, so we had to go back and change that property. Uh, but it also meant that we had to slightly expand a lot of our other en-suites that yeah. we were doing that were in mid construction. Um, so that was a bit of a pain in the, in the, you know, mm. uh, backside, but it's, you know, it's just those things in property that, you know, I just find property is like that. And the, the people that succeed are the ones that sort of just go, okay, let's 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 just go through this find the solution yeah. move on and 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 not get too hung up and and do you think that do you think that's a you know a very important sort of quality to have in terms of anybody in property to be able to roll with the punches and you know carry on when when the going gets tough yeah i think it's finding a solution for whatever's out there and 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 having that ability to see that i'd, I'd say that's one of my strengths in terms of finding create well not necessarily creative but good solutions to things uh, I feel that's kind of an entrepreneurial trait is that, you know, problems are always arising and it's just, it's just standard practice to solve them. So just keep solving them. Um, and, and I, and that's what I do, you know, uh, and, and that's really my role probably within, within a lot of the team with this, you saying, what's my role. It's, it's probably solving those bigger problems, uh, and, and, and wading a path through, uh, you know, when it involves the council, sometimes you have to push back a little bit and sometimes you need to roll with it. So, um, you know, so some of the things that probably went quite well uh, were things like valuations. We were, we, were, we were hitting the nail on the head with the valuations, which, you know, if, if, if we weren't, we would have been short of cash. So, you know, that was very, very critical. Um, and I think my broker was as astonished at like how many I just kept hitting nail on the head the whole time, you know, completely yeah, spot on with evaluation was having the right broker for that process though. yeah so the process was was critical you know we got stuck on anything again solving the problems if you're buying you know i find there's especially if you're buying old stock you know if you're buying you know again you know if you're looking at where my properties come from i'd buy be buying off a lot of retiring or deceased you know landlords so old stock that i was renovating or changing around slightly 
and they don't always have clear planning statuses on and those kind of things and you have to know how to weave through that so you know knowing how the valuers are going to value knowing how it all works and how to present a case to um the bank is critical you know and that's one of the reasons we hold these cheese and wine afternoons to go through those kind of things what have you learned while throughout this process that you can apply to your personal life as well because like business and personal sort of like when when you're working for yourself almost you've got your own business they kind of blend in (laughs) so is there anything that you ask a related a related question and and, you know perhaps we'll meld these two together because i'm always interested in we said offline early on that Mike's taken some time off and I've just been away and, and Howard is jetting off yet again. Um, and, and how do you, how do you manage that Mike in, in, in your business? So can your business function when you're not there and how do you, I'm sure it can, but how do you mitigate the 1 million emails of problems to re- that you return to at the end of it? Yeah, I'm quite good at having a system that, not all emails need me to answer if you see what I mean. So, uh, cause I don't like emails. So, um, I'm not a big responder to emails in the first place. So, uh, I try and encourage everyone not to be emailing me in the first place if you want a response. So that helps in terms of the emails, but in terms of my business running, um, you know, it's those systems we were talking about It's having those KPIs and everyone monitoring against the KPIs having the routines in the business. So, you know, every week we have meetings. Um, We have a meeting on each project. So there's a meeting on every project. Uh, Clear guidelines as to who should be doing what within that project and, you know, the timelines to achieve those. You know, on the rental side, we have a meeting again. Every Well, I, I have a meeting once a week. If I'm away, depending on how long I'm away for, I, I you know, I'll miss that one week. If it's If it's longer, then I might check in and do it via... Uh, via Skype or whatever, you know, coming virtually to that meeting. And that might be the only hour I work uh, while I'm away. Um, But again, you know, the team now has daily meetings on rentals so that, you know, every day they're talking about how do we fill these properties or who's coming empty, what's going on, we signed in, signed out. You know, it's a machine in terms of, you know, when you've got that many tenants to deal with. Um, So, yeah, it's just... You know, if there's a big problem, obviously I need to get involved and hopefully it can wait until I get back. But um, uh, but uh, essentially, it, it's not too many things that, that I have to really, really, really get involved in. Okay. And um, another question that sort of occurs to me, and I know we're getting towards the end of the interview, is as you get bigger um, with the portfolio size, um, what kind of systems do you bring in place specifically to ensure the kind of quality of service to tenants who are, you know, the end of the day, they're, they're our customers. And I guess when it was just you, Mike, and it was just the first few properties, it's almost, well, there's my mobile number and, you know, that, that one-on-one service. But that just can't operate as you get bigger. So what, what do you do to, you know, we all know there are landlords out there who maybe don't offer a brilliant service to the to their tenants so what specifically do you do that you think that's worked well for us for our tenants yeah so we're one of the things that we do i mean i'm always looking to continually improve and as we expand you know 
economies of scale allow us to do certain things. So one of the things that we're doing at the moment is bringing in, I mean, we, we do stuff like cleaning to make sure that, you know, the houses are always stayed on top of, we have inspections. So we're now we're bringing someone in who deals with all of that side, um, you know, almost the customer service side, mm. what I'll call customer service more, and is going in and out of properties. So they will be, they will actually do a lot of the cleans themselves and do the sign in, sign out and be, a, so eyes and ears within the properties to make sure that the standards are always kept up with a, with an HMO. It's all about keeping those standards high um, and um, making sure that they, they, you know, people live and spotting things before they go wrong. Um, you know, making sure. So, you know, things like rubbish, you know, people get fed up, especially it's been hot. You know, if you leave rubbish somewhere, you're going to start getting flies, which is going to annoy people, you know, little things like that. So if you have your, management system for your rubbish goods if you have your management system it's just all those things it's just mm. beyond probably the level of detail that people really think about mm. that then delivers a good customer service and you know i've certainly been flipping things on their head within the organization to to you know I think you hear a lot of landlords all oh, my tenants are my tenants my tenants i now sort of portray the mantra of you know they're the customer the customer is king you know, without my tenants paying me the rent, then uh, I don't have a business, do I? So it's it's vitally important that we keep customers as long as possible and therefore have no reason not to pay or withhold rent and then fight with them. Um, but also that they want to stay for a long time and that they then recommend friends because then you gain, you're winning against the competition. Uh, and it's a win-win, you know, we're happy, they're happy. So provide the customer service that you can. Um, you know, certainly going up, um, you know, we do little things like welcome packs, you know, um, you know, now that we're not expanding quite as heavily as we were, um, you know, all, we're concentrating very much on the tenant size and the customer experience side and, you know, um, having good systems for reporting any problems and then being on them quickly. Uh, again, you know, I, I go through, you know, where are we on the maintenance uh, side of the business? Again, that's that's on a weekly meeting, looking at all of that and making, and I, I can then see whether it's done or not done very quickly. Mm -hmm. Okay, brilliant. And um, as we get towards the end of this podcast interview, if we've got people who are thinking, do you know what, I'd like to learn more about HMOs and uh, commercial finance and partake in some cheese and wine, um, where can we direct them to to find out a little bit more, Mike? Yeah, probably the best place, Hub, you know, obviously connect to me via social media, uh, I do have a website, www.mikefrisby.co.uk. So Frisby is F-R-I-S-B-Y. Um, or, or likewise, you know, just email into our offices, pa at mikefrisby.co.uk. Notice that's not mine because I'm not the best at getting back to emails, as I honestly said earlier. But that, that gets picked. You know, it's all about building systems that give customer service because my PA is very good at that. So uh, I let her. Uh, deal with that and and you know they put put me in contact um and then we can catch up or you know just go go from there really um you know our, our, our events we also hold tours if you want to come and have a look at some of our properties we we hold tours from time to time um you know just to connect with people and um i i i just enjoy that side to the cheese and wine and the tours and everything it is it's it's just good you feel good sharing knowledge. You know, I, I just enjoy that. I, you know, you realize then how much you have learned and 
that actually you know along the way you have learned an awful lot when questions come flying you go oh yeah that's easy that's this yeah. um so yeah yeah and well it's been absolutely... before we wrap up sorry <laughs> <laughs> would you do it again yeah i would i would do it again um because of the, ch the because okay why would i do it again the challenge really enjoyed it um you know you say and I, I think it certainly took me from A to B fairly quickly and I didn't have that challenge. It would have taken me a lot longer. So yeah, it was hard work during it, but it, you know, sharp, sharp burst of hard work is pretty good. And it is, is, um, you know, we, we had a pause, slight, a slight pause, not stop, but a slight pause after it to evaluate it, to look at it, as I said, to focus in on the tenant side of it all. Uh, and, we will go again and we will do things better. So, um, you know, I think that's a good cycle to have, um, you know, businesses work in cycles in my view. Uh, and you need to do that whole, whole thing. You know, there's periods where you expand periods where you evaluate, uh, and consolidate and then periods where you push again and then you plan and push again. Um, so we've been through that loop and we'll certainly do that again. Wonderful. Well, thank you for joining us on uh, on our podcast today. And um, yeah, all all links and stuff will be in the description. So if you are interested in getting getting in touch with us or with Mike, then just click on one of the links below. Okay, we're going to make sure that we put um, the article following on from this as well onto oh, yeah. um, one of our website pages. So um, what we haven't done in today's podcast is go through any of the case studies so you can see the numbers and the numbers behind the numbers. And we make sure that all of that goes into the article. And if that's something you're interested in, grabbing completely free of charge, you go to yourpropertynetwork.co.uk forward slash stuff. So yourpropertynetwork.co.uk forward slash stuff. And Mike, it's been an absolute pleasure and a privilege. Thank you for um, giving us uh, your time today. We simply couldn't create the magazine and these podcasts without the input of professionals like yourself. Well, thank you for having me, guys. As always, I enjoy talking about what I do like people do. So uh, it's been a pleasurable uh, probably 90 minutes now. But uh, yeah. Probably, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, thanks very much. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, you can go to yourpropertynetwork.co.uk forward slash stuff. You can download the article that we create from the podcast so you can see all of the case study pictures, all the uh, financials um, and a bit more information uh, in there as well. And there's loads of other useful things to download uh, on that web page as well. And don't forget to rate, comment and subscribe to our podcast. <laughs>